1: welcome 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 this is soul to soul on your radio Shin thank you so so much for taking time on what is still a very very short friday afternoon to hopefully learn some Torah together be inspired make this Shabbos something very very special and of course this is a special Shabbos it's a Shabbos of Pasha's Kaylach, where of course there is so much to discuss about the different aspects of this Pasha and so much we can, we can learn because, you know, we live in a world that has so many challenges and so many difficulties and yes, there is a lot of things that cause fights and arguments and dissension between people. And this is the, this is the Pasha. Of, of Kairach, who, who was the ultimate machloikis monger in, in And we need to talk about how we can avoid machloikis. We need to talk about what we can do to bring shalom to this world and to all the, the existence of, of all the beings in, in, in all of creation. And my B'elim defends himself and, and to Kairach. And he says, nasasi. <laughs> I have not taken even a donkey of theirs, nor have I avenged even one of them. You know, this is unfortunately the, the sordid path of machoikis, of controversy. It always begins the same way, a simple dispute concerning either a communal or perhaps a shul, a congregational issue, and quickly, Expands and erupts into of course character assassination. Moishabena says, I took nothing from them. Even when I transported my wife and sons from Midian, I neither expected nor received reimbursement. He was traveling for the nation. Right? And he didn't even have an expense account. He didn't stay in the Hilton Hotel. He didn't drive with a whole blue uh, 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 ribbon, whatever called blue, blue light uh, motorcade. I didn't expect anything, and I never received reimbursement. All right? His expenses should have been paid, right? But he wanted nothing. Understanding that, when a community seeks to impugn its leadership, Its first salvo will be concerning money. He uses their hard-earned funds for his own personal benefits. That's what they would say. Moshe declares emphatically, "I took nothing from them." And we wonder why he mentioned the lack of travel expenses, a donkey, right? When the dispute had already elevated to kiryak seeking to change in claudio'sos leadership with him as as its as its leader and the reality is we have to understand that Moshe benu his whole role in life was he taught taira to claudio so that taira would alter the spiritual trajectory of their lives and elevate them to the place in which their minds and hearts should be. Thus, when he saw, right, the, 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 the terrible effect of one who is obsessed with covet and he's just pursuing more and more honor, Moshe Ben became very, very ill at ease and therefore he said, I did not take a donkey from them. I took absolutely nothing for my personal needs, not even a donkey upon which to ride. So many righteous people were among them that their money all went for holy needs. Sadly, Moisha saw that despite this and despite his superhuman efforts to teach and guide the nation, there would always be those whose, unfortunately, whose reprobate practices would not only destroy themselves, but they would even thwart the Herculean efforts of the greatest of all Rabbim, of Maishe, Maishe This is one Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. There's so much more coming.
0: Please stay with us. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurr, only on 101.9 High FM.
1: 101.9 High FM, this is Sol to Sol, back on your radio air Shabbos Kodesh. Parshas Kodesh, Top Shin, Pei, Gimel. And of course, the big issue in this week's Parsha is, of course, the machoikis, the argument that took place between Kodesh and Moshe Rabbeinu, and it's very difficult to speak about anything else. You know, there's certain topics we get to speak about at least once once a year. We just get to speak about lashnara, maybe even a couple of times a year by sas yemetzera, by by beshalach. Uh, we get to speak about machlekes this week. There's certain classic topics that appear every single week, and it's fascinating to note Moshe Rabbeinu's reaction after the the is, is in full tilt. So it says, "Vayichal Moshe Rabbeinu after." He approached us and Aviram and tried to make peace with them, And, and they and they refuted him in, in a very sort of chutzpedic and disgusting way. And it says, We know there was a showdown taking place. Aaron HaKoyim versus the 250 friends of Koyach. we all going to bring a mincha. And Moshe Benu Daven, please, please don't accept their mincha. And the Abbot's question is, who would have thought that in a contest between Aaron and who was the chosen coin God of Akarish Baruch Hu, and two hundred fifty pretenders, for sure, who it was, it was a foregone conclusion who was going to win. Why did Moshe Shabenu have to have to daven? So the Chida in his safer Pesach Enayim brings a. Uh, a, a uh, uh, something he saw in a safer called Binyan Schlima to a particular Rav and he says he quotes a Gemara in Dartzadites, Amurabi Alexandri, anyone who learns Torah for its own sake mesim shalomalaya shomala. He makes peace in the heavenly court. Uba Palmaya shomata. And in the, in the courts down here, Shneemar, it says, You'll strengthen in my, in my, uh, my strength. You'll make peace for me. Shalom You'll make peace for me. So obviously, we have two very strong questions. Number one, how do you understand the concept? Of unique making peace implies that there's some friction in Shemayim. What kind of possible friction is there in Shemayim? Because there's no there's no jealousy there, there's no hatred there, there's no competition there. Why would there be um, a fight? Furthermore, it's we learn from the apostle God, uh, you'll make peace for me. Is it, is it possible to say that Hashem needs, that someone can tell Hashem what to do and someone can have an external influence on what's going to be with that Kodesh Hu Kodesh Hu is called, is called call What does it mean? That, that, uh, that, uh, Hashem needs us to come and make peace. So the Chidab brings, explains the say He says it's known that the way things work up in Shamayim is a mirror image of the way it works down in here, and of course we know, anyway, this is international over the world. When people have a fight, so each one of them, in his anger, right, will begin to, of course, to badmouth his his friends, and he tries to get all of his friends to be on his on his sides, and he begins to talk about. Uh, uh, tells all his friends and everybody all the imperfections of the other person, right? Because obviously it's, uh, uh, and, and particularly his shortcomings in his Torah learning and in his mitzvahs and in his midis and his derech eretz, right? Both that people know about and those that are hidden, some of them are so hidden that even Hashem doesn't know about it. And he's telling about everybody and he starts talking about how right and how just he is and how bad his friend is, and certainly. Right? Uh uh, uh you know, as 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 the machikh sort of carries on, each one blames the the other one, and you know, and gets worse and worse, and each one is busy castigating it, criticizing the other, as we say. Aveira, gurera, savera, one avera leads leads to another. Right? And We can understand from this. We can try to perhaps draw an analogy to what's going on in Shemaim when we have a fight over here, because we know that even the sort of the so-called amaratsim, the emptiest people in the Jewish nation, we know are full, full of mitzvahs. And every time one does a mitzvah, one acquires for himself one advocate, one malach that's going to argue for him and go to bat for him in front of the Kisiyah And when there is a machlekes amongst people in Kaiso, and each one wants and is waiting to show how bad his friend is and speaks all these terrible things about each other, every single word that said, Makes a huge, huge uh, impression in Shomayim. In fact, we know Alti he killed us head yet, Even the curse of a, of a very, very plain person is very, very significant. And each one in Shomayim is asking Hakadosh Baruch that Hashem should help him, and and, uh, and and not his friend and the Malachim that were created by the mitzvahs of each one of them. So they come in front of the Kisya Coven and they advocate in front of the Bezna Gadda, right? In Palmyra Shamala, right? This one, this one's Malachim mention all the good mitzvahs that he's done and all the bad things that the other one has done and the Malachim of the second one do the same. They mention his mitzvahs and the other person's, uh, are comes out that each group is mentioning the Averis of the other one. And because we are mentioning the Averis of other people, that gives room for the Midas hadin, the strict justice, right, to come, and everyone gets punished. And that's what it means, the Machoikis and Pamaya Shamala. In other words, the Malachim, that were created by the mitzvahs of each one of them, so they they're fighting, and each one is advocating for his friend and 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 you know, for the Malach, the person that created him, and against the other one. And someone who learns Torah lishma, so the mission Avos says he's called a Reya, he's called a friend. He's called Oyev Esabrias. He loves people. Umokarvanatara. He brings them close to God to Tarah. To he makes people happy. And through his love that he has for people, so therefore his words are very, very uh, powerful and are hurt. And he can make peace between one person and another. Right? He can bring a love into the hearts of each one about his friend each one will start instead of speaking negatively about his friend will start speaking positively about the friend and therefore he ends up making shalom both down here the fire of the malakhah down here is put out and also uh, 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 he makes peace in shamayim amongst all the malachim of each of created by each person and and even such thing can be said it even creates shalom for, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu because Hashem's Midah of Rachamim to have compassion on Klai Yisrael right is always to have compassion and the, the accuser the Midas Hadin is always trying to arouse negativity and each one each side of the argument right uh, 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 arouses in Shomayim accusation, accusations against the other one and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is is a force to actually make a judgment and a and a, and a and a decision. Because Midas Hadin doesn't allow Hashem to have compassion. And that's against the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Because we know HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a Rahum, And he's a Baal HaRachem. Therefore, it comes out that when two Jews are, are having a, a fight between them, so they cause that even the Malachim that were created by their mitzvahs also, are fighting uh, between them in Shemayim, and that's why we're davening. Oi says Shalom bimroimav. Hashem who makes peace in His high places. Hu yaseh Shalom aleinu, because every fight over here, down here, also has an effect on on uh, in 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 Shemayim. Therefore, if Moshe was involved in a fight with Korach. Moisha was worried that Kairach had done mitzvahs, his Malochim might dredge up in Shemayim the Abders of Moshe Benu. Well what did Moshe Benu do? He ran to try to make peace. Not only did he invite Dasnavium, no, he actually went out of his way Bakhwaid of to Dasnaviyum to try to end the Machlankas and even though they completely rebuffed him Moshe Rabbeinu's attempt to make peace created a situation where the the Mechachigim those who accused him would have no power and Moshe Rabbeinu was able to say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that there's absolutely no reason in the world that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should accept the Kabbalahs of these people because they have no longer any claim against Moshe Rabbeinu this is what I'm
0: on the program is sold to Soul please Stay with us. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM.
1: 101.9 one High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev, Shabbos, Kurdish Parshas, Kairach, Toph, Shin, Pei, Gimel. We are talking this week. The subject of the week is, of course, the Machlekes, the arguments that took place between Kairach and and Moshe Beinu, Karech, claiming all sorts of grandeur. He wanted the position of sort of CEO of the tribe of Levi. He questioned Moshe Beinu and Aaron's right to be the leaders of Karech. So terrible, terrible things. And the damage was serious. But the damage was worse to Karech himself. And in fact, Moshe Beinu, at the height of the Machlekes, said, Davin's very interesting, Tevila. He says, If these people, Karyach and his gang, if they will die, the normal sort of death that people die, and the normal sort of way of the sort of aging process and the death of, of, of human beings will be their, their lot in life, then yashem shlochani, and that is an indication that I'm not a messenger of Hashem Baruch Hu, and obviously they are right, I am wrong, and I must sort of move out of the way. But the imbriai if Hashem creates something new and unique, and the and the earth opens up its mouth, uvala oisam and swallows them. And everything they have, and they go down live to shail to Gehenim, then you'll know that Hashem sent me to do all these things. And what happened, as soon as Moshe Menu finished speaking, the earth underneath them opened up. And they and everything they owned went down live into the, into, into Sho'el. Now, we need perhaps to try to understand why was it need necessary to punish them that they should not just die a normal Death. Why couldn't they girls all just have heart attacks and and sort of drop dead on, on the spot? Why wasn't necessary that they should be swallowed up Chaim in, in in while they were still alive into into Gehenim? So first of all, perhaps to really understand we need to understand what is the concept of of death. Because of Khan brings down in the first, in the first shah, and he says as follows, that, that which Akhalish Baruch Hu says to Adam Harishan, on the day that you eat from this, uh, Eitzadas, you will certainly die. It doesn't mean that this was intended as a curse and or a punishment. Because as the Apostle says in Eicha, mi pi el yayin from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, does not emanate haroi sratay, bad things don't come from Hashem. What's on the explanation? That through the fact that you ate from the Eitz sada's, so now you're no longer pure, you're no longer free of sin. Now there's been mixed into you the poison of evil. And therefore, there's no other possibility, no other possible way of separating that poison of evil from you in order to uh, completely improve you and bring you back to your actual purpose. The only way is to, for you to die and for the body to completely disintegrate in the grave that's the only way you can be separated from that that poison of of uh, of, of of evil that was injected into adam when he did the sin and that's also in fact what what uh, we say where adam was chased out of garden because the apostle says And now pen yishlach yodai. Maybe Adam would stretch out his hand. And now maybe he'll also eat, if we leave him in Garden, maybe he'll also eat from the tree of life. And he'll live forever. Now, HaKadosh wanted, HaKadosh <laughs> wants at all times to do good to all the things that are created. What difference does it make to him if Adam Morishon lives forever, so what it means to say is that when Adam Morishon, if he would be left in Gan Eden and he would eat from the Eitz Achayim and live forever, so he'd be left chas v'shalom without the ability to ever rectify his situation because he would never be able to separate the evil from him eternally and eternally he would remain with him chas v'shalom. And he would never ever be able to see the the true light and 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 true good in his days. Therefore, it was to his own advantage that he was banished from Ghanedan, in order that he will be able to come at some point in the future to a complete and total rectification, a total tickle of Ghanedan, and that would be when the evil would separate from him through the body. Uh, disintegrating in the, in the, in the grave. And that's the, the, uh, Gemara which says that there were four people who actually did no sins, but they died, as Gemara says, because of the bite of, of the, of the, of the snake. And even though they had no Averis themselves at all, nevertheless, they needed to die, because again, because of what Adam Horishan did to the world, and created this mixture of good and evil together, through the sin of Adam Horishan, by about the advice of the of the snake, and and therefore that's going to continue. That mixture of good and evil is going to continue until the end of days. Right when death vanishes in life eternal, then they will stop and and uh and and there's another advantage that uh uh then all the evil will be banished from the world, it won't even exist as it says theres of human arts all the tumor will be will be gone from 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 this from this earth right and that's why. The, the, Chaim also in his commentary on, on Shira writes, he says, you should know that Chazal said that the whole Torah broken down in different ways is all names of, of Akkadish Baruch. Hu. Cause every single letter of the Torah is the essence of Hashem's name. But now, because we are Living in a world that we're clothed in, 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 in physicality, right? So therefore, we can only relate to the Torah in a physical way. And the more a person purifies himself, he'll be able to understand the Torah on a more and more spiritual way. And, and you know, the, 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 the thinner a is, the better it holds things. So too, the, the, the less Gash means we have. The more we fix ourselves up, we'll get to the point where, if we purify ourselves totally, we'll be able to understand the Torah in its true meaning without any external covering over it. But that's not possible only after a, a, a person has lived and a person has died, because a person living in this world. Is is inexorably a mixture of good and evil, and that can never disappear until after death and and uh, and disintegration of the body. And therefore, we understand that death is a beneficial part of the process because now we are we are completely covered in 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 simplicity in in, in the physical a uh, sort of gossamer of this world, and Hashem. Uh, 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 in Skidusha uh, lives in every single letter of the Torah but we don't know what it means we just understand on a very very physical superficial level of Torah but only after death and Reincarnation, then our Hu is going to remove the veil from the Torah, and we'll be able to understand the Torah in its true depth without any external kind of, kind of, uh, uh covering, covering of, over it. Right? And also writes this in, in Nachal, Nachal Kedumim. He writes, on the Pasuk the Ish Chait Mishpat Mavis, person will do an Avera, for which Bezdin has Paskin that he has to die. who and he was killed. The Sai so we have to hang him. The mitzvah for Bezdin to hang him on a tree, and the the uh, the Ramak explains that uh, it says, mishpat What's khayt mishpat It's an expression of that. He's missing. He's missing the judgment of death. Because really, now, he's a tzaddik amor. Because and, and by his death, there's nothing lacking at all. Once he dies, he's actually no longer chayamisa because of this sin. Because once he dies in this world, he doesn't have a chayt anymore. But who must? He's dead. And nevertheless, Right? That's what's so difficult. And that's why it says, In other words, why does he have to suffer more now? The death is, is, is what has purged him completely from, from, from the sin. So why does he have to be hung? Only because of the bite of, of, of the nachash. It's a punishment because of the Mauritian ate from the tree, therefore he has to he has to be punished, and therefore we understand also the the Medrash Tanhuma. It says when it was as we'll learn about in a few weeks' time, when Moshe was decreed that he had to die, and the Yaakov said to him, "Hain karvu your your days are approaching on which you have to die." So Mesh Benu asked him, right, what hate do I have that I have to die? So HaKadosh Baruch Hu answered him, says, no, uh, 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 you're going to have to drink, he says, you're going to have to drink from the cup of, of Adam Rishan. And Mesh Benu didn't agree and he claimed, but Rebani is master in the universe, Adam Rishan stole and ate what you didn't want him to eat, and therefore you imposed upon him a death sentence. But I, right, what did I steal from you? So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Shush, are you any greater than Noyach? So Moshe Rabbeinu said, Yes, Noyach, through his generation, you brought the marble. And Noah never never uh, Davened for his generation. And I I spent my whole life Davening and I said to him and I said to you at one point, if you're not prepared <coughs> to forgive the sins of Christ so no erase me. I went to bat continually for the Jewish nation. So says I are you greater than Avram? And Avram had to die. So, I, 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 so Moeshven answered, Avram, <coughs> look what Avram produced. Avram produced, are you small? Right, that his children, his descendants are going to cause so much suffering for your children. So, Hashem said to him, yes. But are you greater than Yitzchak, who literally put his neck out on the mizbeach and allowed himself to be shechted? So Moshe answered, Yitzchak, look what he came from him. Esav, that Esav destroyed the Beit Yes, I'm greater than him. Why am I? Why should I die? So he said to him, But Yaakov, Yaakov had twelve shvatim, and yet look, he died. So Mashman answered, yeah, but Yaakov Avinu never died. Yeah, right? He never went to Akia. And he never ever got to, got to come up to, to Shamayim. And he never got the to Torah from you. And he didn't speak to you upon him or upon him. Right? Okay, I'm greater than him. Why should I die? Says Akhilesh Ravloch. Enough. I'll taste of the Don't speak about it any, anymore. In other words, Maisha Abenu knew that death came to the world because of the chait of adam which caused this perpetual mixture of good and evil within the physical body of a person. And therefore, in order to get to a state where we can be mezakech, ourselves well, we can purify our, 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 ourselves as it says you know some uh, we say in the in the end of uh of marcus right so the usual translation is, is to give us a chance to have merit the main number first of them learned as lizakik to purify hashem wanted to purify by, by us so therefore in order to reach that state of purity, a person must go through the process of death. However, Moshe Abenu, he knew that he already was Zayachet to reach an absolute purity of his Neshama even before he died. And therefore, from that aspect, Moshe Abinu was actually greater than Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And therefore, that's why he was negotiating and bargaining with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that in fact he really shouldn't die. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually agreed with him. But for some other reason that HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose not to reveal it was the Ratzin HaShem that that reason should not be redeemed. So Moshe Rabbeinu was forced. To die. And therefore, at the end of the day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him a one-sided answer. Close the discussion. Lach, bela. Don't talk about it anymore. There's nothing more to discuss. My will is final. This is what in fact is going to, is going to happen. Now, when Kairach and his band of merry marauders came, and they tried to compare themselves to my shabenu, and they said, Rav Lachem, Maishah Aaron, haven't you taken enough for yourself? The reality is, Ki the whole Klaishah, the whole nation, is holy, Hashem, and Hashem is in their midst why are you lording yourselves over the, the nation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? and they proved that uh, by saying that that they also reached a, a, a level that they were and therefore <laughs> they don't need anymore. If you're like Moshe then you don't need anymore the purification of of death. And therefore, oh, if you're like Moshe fine. Then you must go down to earth, Chayim Sha'ula. You'll go down alive to to Ganem without without death. You're Moshe the Shitaska. You hold you're as great as Moshe who doesn't need anymore. Any more kind of a purification in in this world, therefore they were taken out of this world without death, and and went down and went down a, a, alive. Very strong, strong words by 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 Moshe Rabbeinu to prove his his point, and that in fact really is what what Koyach was was after. Karach was was in a way claiming that he deserved. To be, to be the leader of Claesar, because he was, he had all, he felt, he had all of the mindless, he had all the things that he needed to be a leader. He was wealthy, he was influential, he was, he was well, he was well liked, he was from Shaved Levi he was from, from the, the, the elite of, of the Jewish nation. And, and that gave him certain, certain influence. And, you know, this, this, at no point, at no point in the story are we told that Kayach was wrong. That Kayach was not someone who was, uh, uh, able and had the skills and had the, the leaders, the leadership qualities that could have made him a great leader of, of, of Kleiso. And, and who knows, maybe if he had waited and bided his time, who knows if you wouldn't have gotten some great position in fact some say the words which and we don't say what, what the Torah doesn't tell us what he took some say means he chapt, he tried to grab something before the right time had he waited for the right time who knows, he might have gotten much, much more than he even ever bargained for. This is 101.9 one Chai FM. the program Soul to Soul. We're going to come back
0: one moment with our Hilchos Shabbos segment. Stay with us. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM.
1: This is, Soul, this is back on your radio air. Welcome to anyone who is just joining us now, as we always do at this point on the program, just to give you the important details you need to make this Shabbos meaningful and work for you. So this afternoon, the earliest time for lighting Shabbos candles will be at 4.19 4.19 is the earliest time you can light the candles but you know try to get it it's only an hour and a half from now but we can really really do it we can make that time come and come and and jump and and move and get everything done and get the house ready and get ourselves ready and as soon as we can welcome in kedushas Shabbos to our home make it beautiful make it tranquil make it Rest so make it, peaceful so make it a Shabbos Shalom, a beautiful rest so beautiful Shabbos. The latest time for benching lift this week is five oh seven. Five oh seven is the latest time. It means you've gotta have everything done. The car parked, the light the candles lit, everything sort of in place by seven minutes past five. Do not rely on the time after candlelighting. For extra time to get things done. That is only, only there as emergency time for desperate situations. As far as we are concerned, Shabbat starts at seven minutes past five. Shkia will then be at 25 past five. 525 is, is Shkia. And that is the absolute deadline for doing any kind of malocha. And therefore, if you want to, Davin Mairev, and not have to repeat the Krishma. So 5.43 5.43 you can already dive in uh, a and don't have to then repeat the Krishma. And then you have the most glorious long beautiful Lel Shabbos evening. Spend time together with friends, family and uh, anyone you want to and with a good sefer, with a with a good uh, good book some Parsha, to really get into the Shabbos before and there's still plenty of time to go to sleep and get a profitable and beautiful, meaningful night to sleep on Le'el Shabbos, Shabbos, sheinib, Shabbos, tani, a beautiful, restful opportunity on Le'el Shabbos. Tomorrow morning, of course, is Shabbos, K- Kodesh, Parshas Kodach, right, we are still behind in Eretz Yishol, in Eretz Yishol, this week, Delenying Parshas Chukas, but Be'ez next week, we will catch, catch up, so Parshas Kodach, and the After that goes with the Pasha, which is from Shmuel, where Shmuel reaffirms his authority over, over Kaishaw and it's a normal Shabbos, nothing special in terms of the dabbling Of course, every Shabbos is of course very, very special. Uh, this week we'll be reading a Perkyavas Perek Dalit will be the, the uh the Kriyaset, will be the Pasha for sorry will be the uh, will be the Perkayvas. For this, this coming, this coming Shabbos. And then of course we, uh, Shabbos Kurdish ends tonight, tomorrow night, tomorrow night at 5.59, one minute before six o'clock. It's already three minutes later than the earliest. We are moving slowly, slowly towards the, towards the, uh, the, the summer. And then we go into another beautiful week. Kurdish Tammuz is, is upon us, but there's still a couple of weeks. Almost two weeks till we have to fast and begin in three weeks. So let's enjoy and utilize profitably the time that we have until until then. We are learning, Shabbos, we are learning about the question of putting food back onto a heat source on, on Shabbos. And we're talking about an oven today. So if you have a cooked food that was inside a an oven, And it was hot. And when Shabbos came, you took it out in order to, let's say, you wanted to take some food, you wanted to serve the kids' supper early, or you wanted to serve people food. Now the question is, can I put it back in the oven afterwards? The answer is no. You're not allowed to put it back into the oven for two very, very important reasons. Number one, since there is nothing that uh, in place to minimize the heat of the oven, so we then have to worry that when you put the food back into the oven, you'll forget that today is Shabbos, and you might come to uh, make the the heat of the oven higher or lower, which is one one problem. The second problem is that certainly. Putting it back in the oven certainly looks like you are you are cooking. So what can you do? So it goes as follows: If you place in the oven and you make a small little box, a box with four sides, and and then you'd be allowed to put the cooked food back into the oven because in that way we don't have to worry that you're going to uh, raise the the heat, right? Because you understand that some, this is different, this is an unusual situation, you're not going to forget that uh, today is, is Shabbos, and also, putting back the food doesn't look like cooking, because it's unusual to cook in a little a box, and therefore it seems that one could be makel even if you put a, a, a tray or a plate, so that's turned upside down, or a pot, right, on the floor, of the oven, and you'll put the food back on top of that. That would also be a reminder to you that today is Shabbos and stop you from touching anything. Or if you cover all the controls uh, of the oven before Shabbos, then that also would would uh, convince you that there's no reason to be touching anything on on Shabbos, and uh, you won't come to do anything anything wrong. Right. Now, if, uh, now, uh, all this, of course, is based on the laws that we discussed about returning food to an oven on, on Shabbos. We already learned already before that since if the food was in the oven and you took it out in order with the intention of putting it back, so then it doesn't look like your your cooking, but the problem is if you take uh, a cold cooked foods and you take that and you put it into the oven, which is hot, so that's a huge problem because that really does look like an act of of, uh, of
0: of of cooking
1: now, if you have the the uh oven on a timer so then during the time that the oven is cold, is off, you'd be allowed to put food into the oven. Again, obviously we're talking about food that is completely, completely cooked in order that they should get hot when the oven begins to, to operate. Right? And putting that, that food into that oven Does not look like cooking because you're doing it at a time when the oven is cold. So therefore, obviously no one cooks in a cold, in a cold oven. Now, what about the problem of that you might come to raise the heat? So in order to prevent the problem of maybe raising the heat, so again, you have to either cover up all the controls and dials or again to put the food over an overturned pot or again in that in that kind of a a, of a box. However, there are poiskim that forbids putting cold food into the oven and having the oven go on later because according to their opinion, even when the oven is cold, putting the food into the oven, right, in order that it should become hot when the oven goes on, still Looks like an act of cooking. However, practically speaking, since we're talking here, since Hazora is only a Dindra perhaps one can rely on the opinion of the, of the lenient Paiskim and put it in when the oven is cold, relying on the, on the time switch to turn the oven on. Now, there are some people who like to put Around the Shabbos platter, like a metal tray, in order to sort of keep its heat well contained on the platter, and then into put in that sort of tray, you'd be allowed to put food back, right, which you took off the the platter to serve. You can put it back, and that does not look like cooking, because it's unusual to cook in such a situation on a platter where you put a little wall around it to keep it warm. That's a very unusual situation. And since your whole purpose in doing it is to help and preserve the heat of the, the foods which are cooked already and have been placed on the the, the platter. So, uh, those who have such a minute to put on the platter a cold food which is completely cooked, as we explained, so you'd be allowed to put it even on 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 this platter that's surrounded by the protective uh, uh, wall. And those who are machmir, so uh, they you be allowed to put it only on top of an overturned pot on 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 the platter. We're going to come back in a moment with our last few comments. This is 101.9. The program is Chai
0: FM. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurr. Only on 101.9 Chai FM.
1: 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul. Back on your radio. I'm Shabbos Kodish, Pashas Shin Pei. You just the last few minutes. But in those last few minutes, I want to introduce a new subject, and that is, let's begin to talk about the subject of Hatmana. In other words, once we've already said that obviously it's also to light a fire on Shabbos, so now we have a problem. How are we going to preserve the heat of the food that we want to serve on Shabbos? Today, okay, many of us have uh, a hot tray or an electric uh, a platter, which obviously solves the, the problem. However, because of load shedding, or obviously in the time of Chazal, it was much, much more difficult to guard the heat of, of food and keep your, keep your hot chicken soup actually hot. So what could you do? So one of the ways they employed was to place the pot Right, which contained all the food, or the cooked food, in a oven or on a ice stove, as we will explain a bit later. And the other was to wrap up the pot in they used wool or they used some other material that would guard and, and preserve the insulate the heat of of the of, of the pot. However, there's two problems with, with, with this process that Chazal were aware of in terms of the laws of Atmana. One is on Arab Shabbos and the second one is on Shabbos itself. The first one is that you're not allowed to wrap up the food in something that would actually increase the heat on Shabbos. And this prohibition takes effect even if you wrapped it up before Shabbos. And the second is that you're not allowed to wrap up food on Shabbos, any hot food, even in something on Shabbos, even in something that's not going to add to the heat, but just prever- just uh, uh, preserve the heat that it, that, it, uh, that it has. Now, this obviously is a topic that needs... A lot of elucidation, and and how can you do it? How can you keep your food hot when there's load shedding, or or, or when they have, don't have access to to heat? But Bez Hashem, we will deal fully with that in next week's next week's show. But right now, all we have time for is to wish each one of you an amazing, amazing, wonderful Good Shabbos. Thank you so much for being part of our radio team. We really, really appreciate the fact that you take time on Eretz Shabbos and tune in and hopefully, hopefully you're being inspired, hopefully you're learning something. It's certainly, I must say, we enjoy uh, doing the show and, and bringing this Torah into your homes on Friday afternoon. And as always, I welcome, if there's any kind of feedback uh, a positive or negative. You want to point something out. You want to think I made a mistake, which is very very likely. You want me to do something else or or, or, or uh, present a topic in a different way. Please let me know either via the radio station or you can contact me directly. In the meantime, to each and every one of our radio family, a beautiful and warm good good chaps.